looking back, here is here's something I like believe in my core. You can't afford to phone it in ever. Like whether it's uh, like phoning it in on like a gig and you're just not feeling it that day, you just hadn't prepped it, or I mean, like, like let's even take this even deeper. Like, what about phoning it in on listening to your gut? Yeah, whether it's something that's been made or someone who's become something in life, for better or for worse, so much more than you can possibly imagine has happened without planning. You never know what's going to lead to something else. Did you ever get into that show Breaking Bad? <laughs> that show, even, even like saying, like this show is so popular, uh, even saying it like that sounds so, you, you know that, have you ever heard of that show Breaking Bad? Have you, you ever checked that out? Uh, okay, I can say, maybe I actually can say it because I got to it late. It took me, um, which actually, by the way, I think that's how the whole show blew up. Breaking Bad came out. It was something like the first two seasons came out and it really wasn't widely recognized until like the third or fourth season is when it just hit that escape velocity of a show and just exploded in pop culture. But I got to it late and uh, Sarah and I ended up binging the show a few years back and I was recently listening to an interview with Brian Cranston and it made me think of something I want to share with you today. So check this out. Brian Cranston was 50 years old before he landed the role he's best known for, Walter White in Breaking Bad. So one, I did seven years of Malcolm in the Middle mm-hmm. and it was great and out of that, uh, I had a couple offers to do a sweet, goofy dad on a sitcom right after that. And I thought, how could I do something different at this moment? It, it's so ingrained. I need to completely step away from that world. So easily said no to that. And later that year, uh, same year, uh, I, got a, I got a notice that said, well, you did a, a, an episode of X-Files about nine years ago before Malcolm in the Middle. And the writer of that episode, Vince Gilligan, would like to see you about this show called Breaking Bad. Do you remember him? I said, no. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. Hard pass. <laughs> I'm not going to go audition. And I, and I said, sure. Uh, and, and I read it, and it was just incredible. And 10 years later, in 2013, Breaking Bad enters the Guinness Book of World Records as the most critically acclaimed TV show of all time. I think, all right, let me, I'm pulling this up right here. Winning like a total of 92 awards and was nominated for 248. I mean, there's like a million things within the story that I find fascinating. But here's what really sticks out to me. A one episode gig in 1998 turns into something more. And this is crazy because like Breaking Bad is full of these stories. Aaron Paul, right? He was only hired to be in the pilot episode. His character, Jesse Pinkman, was supposed to be killed off at the top of the show, but everybody liked him so much they kept bringing him back and kept like elongating his commitment until he became the secondary protagonist of the, and the fan favorite of the entire show. So again, this one episode gig turns into something more instantly because people connected with his work. 
And another one is the that the older guy on the show, the lovable career criminal Mike. He was played by this actor named Jonathan Banks. And the only reason that character was created on the show was a sub for the character Saul Goodman because uh, the actor Bob Odenkirk wasn't available for, I think it was like the season two finale that he was supposed to record um, with Breaking Bad. He wasn't available to do it because he had other commitments to appear on that show, How I Met Your Mother. So again, this one episode gig, turns into a season spanning all because some other actor has to ha- happens to have a freaking eye calendar conflict and I, I i'm just i'm just obsessed with this crap because i think at the core of it are these two ideas for me that i want to be a reminder throughout my this next year um one it's listening to your to your gut all you have i mean i think i who, who yeah i think it was it was my buddy gabe hagan uh who uh, is a drummer friend of mine who would always say that your only power as a performer is in your ability to say yes or no to a gig. Once you say yes to something, you are on the hook and you better give it everything. And you have no excuse for complaining because you already said yes to it. Oh, it's not paying as much as I'd like it to pay. Well, you said yes to it. Oh, it's something. Well, you agreed to it. Figure that shit out at the top because your only power is whether you or not you say yes or no to something. Um, as I'm thinking about the future, I'm thinking really all it comes down to is this listening to your gut. Like Brian Cranston, his gut telling him, no, you know, let's step out, let's try something new. God, I mean, because now I think of it, like the listening to yourself, listening to your instinct and your own taste is actually muscle memory. If you ignore yourself, if you ignore your gut for long enough, you will lose the ability to hear yourself, like like speaking to yourself, to understand what it is within you that you should say yes or no to. Okay, here's a chapter. I I literally just, (laughs) I wasn't playing on this, but this book is just sitting on my desk. I love this book called Hell Yeah or No, What's Worth Doing uh, by a guy named Derek Sivers. Um, If you check it out on page 30, uh, he gives like massive insight to like exactly what I'm saying here. Uh, This chapter is called, If You're Not Feeling Hell Yeah, Then Say No. Just a couple paragraphs. Maybe I'll just read it. Even though I hate freaking reading out loud, I'm not going to edit this. Let's go. Most of us live lives filled with mediocrity. We say yes to things that we felt half-hearted about. So we're too busy to react when opportunities come our way. We miss out on the great because we're busy with the me- busy. We miss out on the great because we're busy with the mediocre. The solution is to say yes to less. If you're not feeling hell yeah, that would be awesome about something. Say no. It's an easier decision. Say no to almost anything. This starts to free your time and your mind. Then when you find something you're really excited about, you have the space in your life to give it your full attention. You'll be able to take massive action in a way that most people can't. Because you cleared away clutter in advance, saying no makes your yes even more powerful. Though it's good to say yes when you're starting out wanting any opportunity or needing variety, it's bad to say yes when you're overwhelmed, overcommitted, or need to focus. Refuse almost everything. Do almost nothing. But the things you do, do them all the way. Yeah, and maybe that's it. Maybe I'll actually change. Maybe I'll... I'll, I'll uh, shift a little bit of my original thought, this belief I have that you never know what's going to lead to something else. I think that's important, but I also think reading this is a reminder that 
the thing that's in front of you, oh man, that is a dangerous freaking place to be, to be looking at every gig and every opportunity as a stepping stone, stone to something more. All I know personally, in my past experiences in my life, the things that I'm like the most embarrassed about, the only guarantee that something's not going to lead to more. Yeah, maybe that's what it's about. Maybe it's not about the hope that everything you're doing leads to more. It's about recognizing the one thing that is guaranteed to make sure that it doesn't lead to more is to say yes to something you feel half-hearted about and doing it half-assed. Because like I once heard, uh, the days are long, but the years are short. You don't have time for that shit. So that's all I got today. I hope wherever you are at, friend, that you are finding things in front of you worthy. Yeah, worthy of saying hell yeah to. And if it's not in front of you right now, that you are trusting your guts, that you have the fortitude to hold out for those that are coming for you. Rob Morgan is an internationally touring bassist on a journey to discover what it means to live a curious life. At thecuriouspod.com, you'll find an archive of conversations reported all over the world, a map of recording locations, a weekly newsletter, and official podcast merchandise. Rob is recording a daily podcast where he's sharing insights into the creative journey and the secrets to living a curious life that he's discovered from over a decade of traveling the world with music. We here at Curious Endeavors have told him this is probably a mistake and he's an idiot to attempt it, but he won't budge, so that's where we're currently at. We hope you'll enjoy.